All right. I like to get straight to the point. You know, what's with all the fluff? So if you're ready for a discount, go to Sweet Vibrations, type in Wild Love to get 15% off. But let me tell you why you really, really want this discount. Because Sweet Vibrations has been with us from day one. And can I be straight up with you? It's my favorite way to masturbate. They have my favorite sex toys. But not only that, I love the mission statement behind their company. I'm always talking about sexual wellness and really destigmatizing masturbation because masturbation is a vital part of self-care. And you know what? Self-love. This should really be a part of maybe your daily routine if you're like me or every so often. But this really is a way to show yourself some love. And look, you guys, there's so many health benefits that go along with it. Better immune system. You can sleep better. And it releases all of those feel-good chemicals. It's safe. It's normal. We all do it. It's not weird. So if you're looking for a new sex toy, check out Charmed by Sweet Vibrations. They just came out with this toy. It's super well-engineered, and it's made to flex and fit into any vulva with all the sensations and all the vibrational patterns to really give yourself that big O. So if you want to check out Sweet Vibrations, make sure you use our code WILDLOVE for 15% off. They're at Sweet Vibrations on Instagram or www.sweetvibes.toys. Have some fun. All right, from better sex to stress relief to healing wounds to all of these things, CBD is where it's at, you guys. Some of you guys have already heard me talk about CBD, but this one is my favorite. It's called My Daily Choice CBD, and they have tinctures and topicals and face masks and bath bombs and gummies, basically whatever and however you want to ingest CBD in a really delicious way, they got you. So I want you guys to check them out. I use this absolutely every night before I go to sleep and I travel with it everywhere I go. I am that addicted to CBD. I actually thought that CBD was a joke, to be honest, for a while. And then I started using it on a daily basis and it really does make a difference in how I can relax at the end of the day and how I can sleep. Also, funny story, I burnt my leg recently, so I've been putting my daily choice CBD on my leg, and the inflammation is going way down. So thank you, guys. This is a perfect partnership at the perfect time. And of course, the True Sex and Wild Love listeners, you guys get a special offer. So hell yes, it's a 60-day money-back guarantee. So that's right, 60-day money-back guarantee on any of the products. So head over to bitbit.ly slash T-S-W-L-M-D-C. That's True Sex, Wild Love, My Daily Choice. So one more time, I know it's a mouthful, bit.ly slash T-S-W-L-M-D-C and you get a 60-day risk-free money-back guarantee. Mm, Enjoy, y'all. On this week's episode of True Sex and Wild Love, it's just me and my girl, Wednesday Martin, and we sit down to talk about and answer the top most asked sex questions. So you know it's really good. We also talk about plastic surgery and Botox. I'm very open about the things that I've done personally. And we dive into the whys and the why nots and just get a better understanding of all of that. Plus, we get into the nitty gritty of a threesome. How do you have a successful and pleasurable and fun threesome? We give you real tips on how to do this. So I hope you guys really enjoy this podcast. And as always, if you do, please, please, please let us know. So much love. Hey, Wednesday. 
Hey, How? Whitney. Hey, it's great to hear your voice per usual. I know we had to do separate podcasts for a couple of weeks and I really missed the energy of just sitting there with you. I know. I missed you too. I'm glad that we're able to do that though, you know? (laughs) And it seems like all of our listeners still really enjoy it. And so this one, it's just you and I. It's some quality Whitney and Wednesday time. That's right. We're together again, you guys. And I've never been happier. Do you know why? It's not just that we're together again. It's that when I sat down, I just said, wow, I really need to take my bra off. And I did. Yeah. It's like being with you, braless, is exactly what I want to be doing right now. I mean, I feel I feel a little offended if you even wear a bra around me. <laughs> you know I almost <laughs> never do. Me neither. 54 years old, basically 40 years of not wearing a bra. And don't believe the hype because my breasts are as perky as ever. Right. So that's what they would say, right? If you wear a bra, then um, it's going to loosen your muscles and then your breasts are going to sag. Nah, y'all, she has some real good titties. Now, thank you so much. Mine are quite small. And, but I have to say, Lori Mintz, who was our guest one time um, and who is a sex researcher and a sociologist and wrote Becoming Clitorate, told me uh, about some studies which found that going braless can actually strengthen breast tissue. So I haven't looked at those studies, but let me tell you, I'm interested in them and I like them. And I just think, you know, summertime. Let your tits breathe if you want. Hey, if you like wearing a bra, you be you. But for me, for me, freedom is coming home and taking that thing off. Oh, my God. Yes. That's me. Also, I just, I think that maybe I'm going to go out on a limb and say that some of the advice and admonitions that women, quote, should, unquote, wear a bra because it's, quote, better for their breasts, unquote. I'm just guessing um, that there might be some subterfuge there and some (laughs) tacit shaming and tacit coercion of women to just be a little bit less sexy because we know there's a long history of that. So hey, something to think about, something to chew on if you should be thinking about, do I want to wear a bra or not? (laughs) I think not wearing a bra is really hot. I think it's sexy. And I think that when you can see a little bit of nipple, like not sheer nipple, depending on where you're going. I mean, I'm totally down with it. But I like the outline of a nipple. I think it looks really nice if you have it in the in the right shirt. Yeah. So like, I think it's, it, I mean, I have really fake, beautiful. You oh, yes. go ahead. Go ahead. I have fake boobs. So mm. I never wear a bra. <laughs> oh, right. And are you saying that you never wear a bra because you don't don't worry about the support issue because they are self-supporting? I don't wear Yeah. I mean, I, I had very small boobs before this. I probably had like an A and a half on like a good day. Okay. Um, That's and a nice so now, look. yeah, now I'm like a small C. And so I never really wore bras beforehand other than to make them bigger, right? Because that was a thing. Oh, okay. I have to have bigger boobs. I have to have cleavage. I have to have this. And then as I got older, I really didn't care about it. And then right. I decided I just wanted to get my boobs done to do it. Right. But 
Yeah. To not wearing a bra. I don't even really own a bra. If I have to wear a bra, yeah, yeah I have to go searching for that thing. You have to look for the thing, right? I mean, oh, I yeah. have, well, I wanted to say a couple things. First of all, the, I really love the braless look. I mean, I was born in 1965 and I remember coming to consciousness about what it was to be female, you know, in the seventies, right? That's when I was wrapping my mind around it and like looking at Cosmo and looking at Ms and looking at women on the street. And even in conservative Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I grew up and certainly in the media that I was looking at, um, brawlessness was a big look and it was a big look on television and you know, my friends, some of my friends' moms did it and some of them didn't. My mom breastfed in public, my two little brothers, which was like kind of a big deal in Grand Rapids, Michigan in like 1970, whatever, um, in the early 70s. But, you know, brawlessness meant a lot to women then and maybe meant things that it doesn't mean quite so explicitly now because like they were just coming out of like playtex culture, right? Like, like, maiden form bra culture, like that you were supposed to wear these big, uncomfortable bras so that you didn't bounce and to, you know, or to make your breasts look torpedo-like in the 50s and part of the 60s. And so for those women that, like I sort of first started paying attention to female bodies, looking at these women, that was one of the first things that I saw, just like that brawlessness was an option and that it looked good. And there were jokes about jiggle and how much people enjoyed the way it looked and people enjoyed the way it felt. And so that was always an option on the table for me, brawlessness. And I don't think that women a little bit younger than me had that once the seventies kind of faded away. So I'm, I feel so good that second wave feminism gave us brawlessness because that was just, that hit me right straight in the brain and Mm. I've been, I've been living it. Now that said, that said, sometimes I really, you know, do enjoy bras for fun. You know, for fun, like what do you mean? For fun and for sport. Yeah. For fun and for sport. sport. Just to look, do you know, sometimes I feel like my day is going better if I wear a matching set, a matching bra and undies set. Yeah, because you feel like a badass bitch. I'm like, you know what? Take this shit off me. This stuff on top, take off these layers and look at me. I got it so together. What would you wear? Like, what is your go-to? You know, if you're like, you know what? I'm going to crush it today. I'm going to wear a matching set. Describe that matching set. Okay. You know our friend Julia Hart used to of be course. the CEO God. of La Perla. And I have a when huge she was on her. there, before I even became friends with her, I was like, she's no longer at La Perla, Julia Hart. But at the time, I was like, what is going on with La Perla that like this stuff is so like bendable and breathable and supportive, but it's really comfortable. And that's Julia Hart's signature. So I have this bra undie set that Julia, that is from La Perla from when Julia Hart was designing the laundry. And it is this like deep purple, um, stretchy undies with some sort of sheer, um, inlays. And then the bra is a similar sort of like shiny, deep purple with some, um, sheer insets. And it is so comfortable. I went to La Perla. they they fitted me, you know, they, sometimes you go somewhere and they don't know how to do a bra fitting. And the woman at La Perla really did. So it was designed by Julia, 
Plus the salesperson really took the time uh, when we could go into stores to help me figure out what the right fit was. Man, whenever I wear that set, I feel like a big old badass. You are a big old badass already, but you put that on and it's just like unstoppable. Unstoppable, right? And I just wanted to say about you getting your boobs done, as you say, um, you know, I just, I'm for women making choices about their bodies and having access to all the relevant scientific data about safety and then weighing the risks and the rewards, right? Which right. is probably exactly what you did. Yeah, I did. I I I asked my dad from the time that I was like 12 years old that I wanted a, a boob job. And um, he was like, no, you're insane. You're crazy. So I didn't get it until I was 28, I guess. They're only like oh. three years old. Okay. Um, and so, and I really made sure, because I didn't mind my little boobs. By that point, it was like, they're cute. I like them, but I just wanted something different. And so I, I went mean, on three you had, different. You had already, let me just say for people who don't know, you had already with your unaltered body become Miss Corpus Christi, Miss Texas, and Miss USA. So like <laughs> you were doing just fine with yeah. your very small breasts, but you wanted to change them. I just wanted to change them. And yeah. I'm so like if if anyone out there wants to get a breast augmentation or they want to get Botox or fillers or whatever, I say do it, but make sure you're doing it for yourself. If your boyfriend's like, you need to get boobs or you need to get Botox, um, screw you, boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do it like if you want to do it, do it for yourself. And like you said, know the risks, know who you're going to like how long they've been practicing, how they practice everything. Ask to see photos. Ask to see. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I'm photo. really over? I'm really over male surgeons giving women porn tits, right? Like I, yeah. sometimes I'm looking at the, these breast augmentations, and I can't wait for there to be more female breast surgeons who are not getting their boob paradigms from Pornhub. Right. There are a lot of breast surgeons in New York who uh, are guilty of that. Still, it's like that doesn't look or feel touchable. And women have told me that they have had breast augmentations that are really uncomfortable. And I think that we're refining breast augmentation, first of all, so that it's not about it's not about, you know, cisgender, hetero, male sexual fantasies stuck onto women's bodies, first of all. Right. Second of all, um, I think that people have to get really real about the safety data and dig in. Don't just trust your plastic surgeon, breast surgeon to tell you, oh no, this is perfectly safe. There, you know, you can look at the data yourself and you should because your breast surgeon honestly has a vested interest in persuading you and has a financial interest in persuading you. So, you know, look at the safety data, look at the most recent studies, look at autoimmune conditions um, and and breast augmentation, look at different possibilities um, of different, you know, fillers and strategies and look at it that way, right? Just like do your yeah. diligence and your homework. And can I say one do, other thing? Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to say, you know, I'm really aware of this hypocrisy in our culture where on the one hand, in our culture, you know, we put pressure on women to, you know, we're all supposed to look like Hollywood starlets all the time. 
We're supposed to look young forever. Um, and we're supposed to be perfect, right? Because that's what it is to be female in our culture. You're supposed to fit into this model of desirability and you're supposed to work your ass off all the time to fit into that model of desirability. And it's a pretty narrow lens. And so we expect this of women, right? And we give them a hard time if they don't conform to it. And then on the other hand, when they do say, yeah, I'm going to get the Botox, I'm going to get the fillers, I'm going to get the facelift, I'm going to get the whatever. There are a lot of people who then put women down for that. And it's like, I hate that so much. I can't even begin to tell you. That's a rough place for women to find themselves, right? Where they're under this pressure and they will do better in our culture probably if they look a certain way. And then when they avail themselves of that opportunity, they get shit for that. Hey, you know what epitomized that for me? Was when Hollywood decided a few years ago that they no longer liked actresses with Botox. They just mm. they, they just decided that they wanted women to look more natural in feature films. Well, hmm. you fuckers were the reason that the women had to get to the Botox and the fillers in the first place. And there's not a fucking menu of women for you to choose from. These are right. the actresses. You basically coerced them into doing this so that they could get jobs. And then you freaking pull the rug out from under them and say, you know what? Mm, we decided we want women to do something else and to be something else. Boy, I'm just saying women really get caught in the middle here. And my sympathies lie with women. Oh, my God. Absolutely. It's it's do this, but don't do this. Do that, but don't do this. You know, and it's like you can't win. You really can't win. Be in an ecology that objectifies women and rewards women for looking good. But hey, don't get caught trying to make yourself look really good in a selfie because that's shallow. Right, exactly. Leave women alone. Leave women alone. Yeah. So you know me, and most of our listeners know me that I just talk about anything. I, (laughs) I, I guess maybe it was a year ago or a few months ago or something, I posted a selfie and I pointed out all of the Botox that I actually get. Because I want people to know that I don't just wake up like this. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I do the Botox. I have the lip fillers. I obviously dye my hair and I do my eyebrows and lashes. Like I do the thing. Yeah. But I cannot tell you how out of all of the things that I've posted online when it comes to non-monogamy or, you know, any sort of the controversial mm-hmm. sex topics that we talk about, anything, mm-hmm. I got more hate on that Botox post than any, than any other post that I've done before. And I'm thinking like, how is this possible? One, I chose to do this to me and I'm, I like it. Your opinion of if you think I should do it or not does not matter to me. And two, I'm doing this to show that I'm not hiding anything. I'm not saying that this is what I look like at 31 years old. I love that you sort of unmasked your own face for people, you know, in the same way that I love it when, I remember when I worked in a magazine and a woman, a photo editor said to me, Charlize Theron, who, by the way, I just love her, has cellulite. Yeah, she's like, she had, I, had to, I had to do this, whatever the technology was then, to get the cellulite off Charlize, Ther- Charlize Theron's ass or thigh or whatever. And I remember just thinking like, wow, wait a second. Like, she's a goddess. Yeah, of course she has cellulite. Like, why did I believe that she didn't and that I shouldn't. And it was because 
it was constantly airbrushed out of magazines. And I just hope we'll see more trends like your Botox post where you said, this is, this is why, this is one of, this is what I do. This is part of what I do to look the way I look. And I hope we see more, you know, print and online publications, just showing models as they are. Wouldn't that, you know, I think that would be great. I I really do. I mean, it, it allows people to see what's actually going on in this world instead of looking through like a facade or an illusion. We're living in an illusion of everyone has big lips, big boobs, big butts, like any anything, you name it, two little hips or bigger hips, whatever you want, instead of just like, no, this is how this person ex- decides to express themselves. And let's like, just we are not. That. Yeah. Yeah. We're not here on this planet to make everyone else happy. We're here to like fully express who we are. And go Amen. That way. And women's looks are not public property. Just shut up about it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's like all the, I know I get a lot of comments about my looks. Sometimes I get critical comments um, on Twitter, for example, you know, if I do a post about data, a study that I find interesting and I argue, uh, you know, I have a point of view about the data that I post um, and and I have a, an overall point of view about female sexuality. And I've had people, other academics, pile on to a post that I've done and write, look at the dress she's wearing or like hair rolling their eyeballs, right? That if I look the way I look in my Twitter profile picture, um, I'm incapable of a serious opinion. Like they only have to listen to me if I'm wearing a burlap sack because that's the mark of seriousness, right? So there's that, there's that hypocrisy. And then, you know, there's the stuff uh, that you get. And then the hypocrisy of just the whiteness of beauty you know i'm mm-hmm. i'm i'm just so hopeful that we will keep expanding our vocabulary of female beauty to be much more inclusive i mean and to be also inclusive of traditions that like worship curviness and having a tummy worship being pregnant is super sexy I just can't wait for us to widen the lens a little bit of like yeah. what we consider beautiful. Cause right now it's just so limited, isn't it? I'm sorry I, that people posted that on your, uh, on. Oh, on it's your- okay. It, it was actually, it was surprising, like I said, but it, <laughs> it's just like, okay, out of all the things that I talk about, you're mad because I get Botox. <laughs> like, okay. Just, wait, I don't understand. Did they say that it was like, a bad idea or, I mean, you are, to I mean, me, you're kind of young for Botox, but look, you, you live in Texas. It's like a beauty culture. You were part of pageant culture. You're super jock. Like you, you are yourself. I think you are perfectly capable of just saying, I want this. Right. This and that's what it is. I better. want this. That's just yeah. period. I want this. Like I want the new iPhone. Okay. Let me at it. And <laughs> wait, question. So what, what was the criticism that you were getting from all from everywhere? I mean, it was you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be, you know, putting this message out to the world because kids are following you or you're a role model. Like what type of terrible role model you are? Um, mm-hmm. You look, and then they were attacking my looks and just anything and everything. But then they were also, as most haters do, they just go off on random tangents, you know, that has nothing to do with Botox or my looks. It turns into religion or it turns into yeah. like 
sexism or it turns into like any anything. And it's just like, I was literally just talking about putting needles in my face and I was just letting you guys know that this is what's up. <laughs> right. Well, God That's bless. All. God bless that you put it out there and demystified for some women, you know, your perfect looks and you show, you, you put it out there and said, yeah, well, you know, I look this way for a reason. And there are some interventions, some of it's me, some of it's enhancement, like big deal. Good for you for, you know, putting it out there. And I mean, it's a version of how women take heat every day, right? You just, you show up and you take heat. Yeah, it's true. All you women out there, mm, I love y'all. And men, yeah. let's not get it twisted. <laughs> let's not get it twisted. <laughs> I love that too. And yeah, and I just want us to just keep widening that lens and keep, you know, like I said, I want us to learn more from cultures that find like quirkiness sexy and that, you know, find curves sexy and that find all skin tones luminous and sexy and appealing and, you know, kinky hair and straight hair. It's, I, I feel like, I feel like one of the great things that Black Lives Matter is going to do for everybody among so many super important things. This might not be the most important thing, but it's going to widen the lens of our definition of beauty, I think, and Mm -hmm. free, free us up, um, you know, to stop to stop this really narrow view of what well, counts is beautiful. It sure as hell should. I mean, yeah. it's gosh, time. It's, it's time. time. 100%. Oh, man. I live in New York City where you just have to be so skinny um, if you if you want to feel like you're doing the right thing. Like there's just tremendous pressure in New York City to be super skinny and um, – I also feel like there's tremendous pressure there. Maybe this is just my own insecurity that you got to be tall. Like, I feel like everyone's tall, extremely fashionable, (laughs) and really skinny. And I'm like, wow, I am not tall. (laughs) Yeah. I'm five four on a good day. But it's just like there's supermodels walking around everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. There is a, it is a really punishingly narrow view of what is attractive in New York. And, um, you know, God bless people for paying attention to fitness and nutrition, but you can pay attention to fitness and nutrition and be strong and, you know, not have a low BMI. You can be curvy. You can be chubby. You know, you can be overweight and be healthy and sexy and beautiful. Absolutely. That range is where it's at. More Mm -hmm. of that. More of that. Let's do that. Let's do more of that. Speaking of more of that, I, um, I was wondering what we were going to talk about today. So I decided to Google the most talked about or most Googled sex questions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of good ones on there I think we should cover. Go to hit me. Ask. Okay. Ask. Sex on the first date. What do we think? What is your take, Wednesday, on having sex on the first date? Do we some wait? Of my we best, just go for it? Some of my best relationships started from sex on the first date. Oh. Yeah. So let me just go against um, what, you know, people might, women especially, come on, we're socialized, like don't give it away, play hard to 
get. Be super strategic. Why would he take you out on dates if he can just fuck you? He's yeah. not going to call – blah, blah, blah. Okay. What is that saying real quick? I, it's it's like if you you can have the cow and the milk too or something. <laughs> they're saying <laughs> – Why buy the cow when you can get the milk? I don't know. Uh, the milk for free. I believe yeah. that's what people's parents and grandparents used to say to them. and Maybe they still do. Here's my deal. I mean, I was just coming from the pleasure paradigm, right? Like I wasn't, I didn't have some strategic long game. Like I want to make him want to wife me. That's not, that wasn't where no. I was. I was I've more like, that either. Yeah, I was more like hanging out with all gay men who were extremely promiscuous. And I'm using that in the like unweighted scientific uh, sense of the term. Cause it's such a pejorative term, but like, I just love how gay men just like a lot of them. Um, in the aggregate, there's an acceptance um, of having multiple partners. So I was, and, and doing it on the first date. So I was hanging out with gay men, right? So that was part of my cultural conditioning is I was around gay men who use sex to celebrate and use sex to bond and use sex for fun. And there was not guilt about sex. And so I was coming, they were my best friends. And so I remember I mean, it never occurred to me that if I didn't want to have sex with somebody on the first date or if I wanted to have sex with somebody on the first date that I shouldn't do it. I mean, there look, safety considerations aside, that is always, women always have to think about that. But look, if that's not an issue, uh, we know, and by the way, there are studies that where if you tell women, um, say that it would be perfectly safe. You wouldn't get an STI. You wouldn't become pregnant. Your mom wouldn't find out. Your people wouldn't know. <laughs> Nobody would slut shame you. He would text you the next day if you wanted it. If you didn't want him to, he wouldn't. If you create a circumstance like that, women will hypothetically agree to um, sex on the first date as much as men will. So we know that the the safety if if you control for safety issues, women are every bit as, quote, promiscuous, unquote, as men. Uh, there are at least two very well-designed studies uh, that showed that. Okay. So I was like that. For me, sex was an adventure. It was fun. I wasn't sitting there thinking in my 20s, like, wow, but I really want this dude to marry me. So I have to like follow a code and a set of rules and no, so some of, I had some great relationships start from sex on the first date. That's me. What yeah, about you? I, what about you? I, I have too. Um, actually, my last relationship was what eight years with Aubrey, and we had sex on the first date. Oh, right, <laughs> and yeah, I was on my period. Oh, period sex <laughs> on the first date. You went all the way. Uh, yeah, we went all the way. Which um, I wasn't totally planning on it, but then I was like, you know what? Let's just go for it. But really, I I honestly think it's between the two people, right? Kind of like what you were saying. If both Mm -hmm. of you guys want to do it, if there's consent between both of y'all, then go for it and screw having shame about it. I mean, it can be a bonding experience. It can be a pleasurable pleasurable experience. It can just be for fun. Yes. And I do not believe that having sex on the first date wrecks your chance of having a good relationship unless he's a douchebag who thinks that there's something wrong with the woman who would have sex on the first date. In which case, dude, why are you fucking don't having have sex, sex with, with her on the first date? Yeah, don't right. have sex with him. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, but you know what? I respect that some people also, there's something sexy to like dragging it out, right? Like, 
seduction and like, you know, that can be a really fun dance too. So I completely understand how um, some women, you know, as long as it's coming from that, it's giving you pleasure to drag it out rather than there's some script in your head telling you you're bad if you do it on the first day. Yeah. What's the narrative? Like what's the narrative that's playing over in your head that either makes you want to do it on the first day or makes you want to wait till the fourth, fifth, sixth, a year, whenever later. That is a great way to put it. What's the narrative in your head? Okay. So remember one of the things that Lori Mintz said to us is that women are most orgasmic when they feel the most comfortable telling their partner, this is what I like. If you're a person who could do that on the first date, then maybe having sex on the first date is a really pleasurable experience for you. But if it would take you to the fifth date to be able to say to a partner in bed, do it like this, touch me here. I am an upper right quadrant clit stem person or whatever your your jam is. If that would take you to the fourth date to be able to say that, then maybe you want to wait until the fourth date to have sex, you know? Yeah. Feel it out. Feel it out. with it. (laughs) All right. And it goes from like person to person, relationship to relationship. Yeah. But you know, I just times that I've really, I've, you know, drug it out and there's been times where it's been the first date. Dragging it out could probably be really fun, right? Just Mm -hmm. dragging it out and like driving each other a little crazy, making out. Yeah. (laughs) Like not, not, but not consummate. I don't know. Let's not call it consummating. Because, you know, it doesn't have to be the end point. Intercourse doesn't always have to be the end point. So nope. maybe on your first date for you, sex on your first date is just like uh, scissoring with another girl or yeah. just like kissing another person. Maybe that really gets you off of grinding. I still love grinding. Like, yeah. Yeah, that was really fun. That was very fun. It is yeah. fun in my world. <laughs> and, and scissoring could do that all day. Mm-hmm. I don't have a whole lot of experience with scissoring, so I, I can't personally speak on that. But it sounds like a whole lot of fun. Yeah. And it sounds like a water slide. I want to go down. Yeah. So a lot of for, I, I guess one of the things is, is it okay to have sex on the date, on the first date? I would say yes. And then I would say there are so many ways to define sex. It's not just P and the V, right? Yeah. Um, you know, many of our listeners are queer and um queer curious. And so, yeah, there are many ways to define what, what sex on the first date is because there are many different ways to have sex. Geez, as long as it's fun. Yeah, and I agree. Good and it's safe. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. How about, and I so know that's, so get, that's one of the most frequently asked questions about sex. Interesting. Yeah. That's one of the most frequently one, frequent okay. ones. Okay. Um, another one, threesome etiquette. Ooh, that's good because when we talked about threesomes recently, mm-hmm. we didn't really get into the nitty gritty of actually all three people being together and how to act. Right. So that everybody can enjoy themselves and to minimize uh, the possibility of hurt feelings or being left out. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, people want actual nitty gritty information about when you're, when you're all three in bed or all three on the living room floor, or I don't know where you're going to have your threesome. But here's one bit of advice that I got from a really great book called Action. Um, Okay. It's a really fun book. 
I can't remember the author. Let's put it in the show notes for people. It is a book called Action, and it is hilarious. A woman, a young woman wrote it, right? She's like in her 20s. Uh, We're going to put her in the show notes because you'll want to follow her on Instagram. And this book, Action, is genius and had me in stitches. And one of the things she says is there is an etiquette to threesomes. Let me tell you what it is as somebody who has had threesomes and who has had good experiences and bad experiences. And one of the first things was do not pressure your partner into a threesome. Oh my God. No, that's the first, that's it. Yeah. That's, that's really important sure etiquette. Yeah. Sure road to resentment <laughs> right, right there. Right. So like if you ask, say I asked my girl if I have a girlfriend and I ask her like, hey, how about if we get with him? Or like, how about if we get with her? If she's like, no, mm-hmm. nothing, nothing will, will make her dislike me more than just like if I just keep hammering away. Like right. you suggested at one time, stop suggesting it. If she's going to change her mind or he's going to change his mind or they're going to change their mind, they'll tell you, right? hmm Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But that would – so I think just the first thing is the first bit of etiquette is respect your person, right? And if mm-hmm. they're not able to do that with you, you know, you're going to have to find another way to do it. But, like, that would just set things up so badly in the bedroom. Like, if the person isn't enthusiastic about it, that was the first gaffe, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think you can even bring it up in the way, like if there's a gentle way to do it, just kind of saying, have you ever thought about having someone else in bed with us? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and just so opening up that, com- right. So opening up the conversation without the pressure of doing it. Have you ever thought about that? If so, what does that look like? And if they're like, no, hell no, I'm not into that. I mean, I guess you can kind of figure out why that is and have a conversation surrounding that, but you know your answer. And by the way, ooh, this is such a good point, Whitney. I love that point of like the open-ended, what would you think about? Let me say something along those lines. If you're the person who wants to broach the topic of a threesome, and this is etiquette before we're in the bedroom. Sorry, I'm in New York City, so somebody's playing really loud music. <laughs> That's okay. okay. This, this is where I live. Love it. Um, all right, so if... The, if you're asking in an open-minded way, and if you're the person who's sort of backseat driving that you want to have a threesome, which is fine, do not go suggesting a person, especially if it's a person you both know. Ask your person, ask your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your person. So if they say, yeah, that is kind of an interesting idea, ask them who they might be interested in doing this. There is right. nothing that would piss me off more than if I were with somebody, if I had a girlfriend or a boyfriend who backseat drove me because they wanted to sleep with this person. Right. And it just makes you feel like, okay, so I'm here. I'm just like in the middle. Might as well, you, you guys might as well just go fuck. I'm just in the way. Yeah. Or like you had an agenda here. Like you asked right. me if I'd be open to it, but you have a secret agenda. Yeah. Ew. If ew, you, ew, ew. If you are going to be the person who instigates the threesome, ask in an open-minded way, gauge your partner or your person's actual interest in doing it. If they're not interested, fucking leave it alone. If they yes. if they are interested, stop asking. Don't hammer away. Just let them consider it for a while. 
Second point, do not, if you're the person instigating, be like, yeah, I thought we should do it with Susan, who's like her friend. Yeah. I don't know. Just if you're if you're instigating, let that person choose the person. Yes. And I just want to say this if there are any dudes listening. If you want male, female, female, be ready for your girlfriend if that's what you're doing, if you're a guy who's heterosexual. Be ready for your girlfriend to think when you say that you want a threesome that you mean male, male, female. And you better be ready to go there if you're asking her to do male, Ooh. female, female. All right? You heard it. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I, I think mean, that's look, a huge point. For some of us who are queer, queer, curious, um, bi, bi-curious, um, there would be a range of possibilities. But um, I think that I have seen that men initiate it and they're just thinking, yeah, this is going to be heaven for me. Um female, female, male, all the attention on me. Um, meanwhile, I mean, I have joked with you before that like when I used to think of threesomes, it never like female, female, even though I love women and very attracted to women, female, female, male never occurred to me. I thought a threesome was two guys just like totally <laughs> serving me, right? <laughs> doing whatever. Being you told me- doing it all. Yeah. All, all you- about me. Mm-hmm. You told me that, and I was like, "Oh my god, I am obsessed with you." Because I thought the complete opposite. <laughs> you did, yeah. You did. But all—I mean, I want that male, male, female. That mm. sounds really fun. And so, I just think if you're gonna, if you're a guy and you're gonna ask your partner for female, female, male, you should be ready for her to say, "Yeah, I would love to do a threesome. How about you know, um, John?" Right? Like that right. could happen, and you should be if you're gonna be. Uh, open to the female, female, ma- uh, male, and expect her to be well. Then you know, be ready that she might ask for male, male, female, and you better be open to that. Open to it, right? And and you know, here's the thing: is like coming up with your boundaries too, because I think when it comes to guys, I'm not a guy, so I don't exactly know, but they think all of a sudden that wait, I'm going to have to hook up with the guy if they're hetero. I'm going to have to hook up with the guy. Oh, I would never do that. No, I'm not going to have that threesome. You guys don't, the guys don't have to hook up. Whereas like in a, I feel like in a male mind, when you have a female, female, male threesome, you know, the females are pleasuring each other, which is great and awesome. Not always, but just understanding like what the boundaries are and and, and the possibilities. Yeah. And, and the, the possibilities. possibilities. Okay. Here's another etiquette point because some guys might be very into male, male, female. Some guys who just never thought of themselves as sexually fluid or bi-curious or queer, they might actually really enjoy it. So it's nice to have that possibility on the table. Three. So here's a point of etiquette. Just know that threesomes are not just custom designed to please heterosexual men. Threesomes are for mm-hmm. everybody, right? right? So like, yeah, I I like that. Okay, let's talk about the etiquette actually when you're in the bedroom or the living room, on the living room floor, wherever you Wherever you guys are, yeah. Let's- I do really like talking, like if you're, before you're starting, talk about some of the penetration boundaries. Are you guys, is there actually going to be penetration? You know, okay. especially for some people, no. For some right. people, yeah. Especially if you're in like a, a committed primary relationship, you know, talking about what's okay. Is kissing mm-hmm. okay? Is penetration okay? Is she is he or she staying overnight? Is, you know, just starting to get 
an idea of what's going on and what's going to happen. Yeah. Or like, you know, I heard from a couple one time, a lesbian couple in my DMs. I love my DMs. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And this woman was very hurt that um, she and her girlfriend um, enjoyed using a strap on and, but it was, so she thought of it as a very personal thing for them and her girlfriend wanted them in a threesome. Her girlfriend wanted to do it to this other woman. Um, and that felt like, no, no, like this is a thing for us. So, so if you're part of a dyad and deciding to have a threesome, I mean, you might be part of a polycule and, you know, want to adventure with a third without your third, whatever. But now I'm talking about a dyad. If you're a dyad, to your point, Whitney, like talk about the things that would be too hurtful or that are off bounds. Like this, I encouraged this woman to say to her girlfriend, no, sorry, like the strap on is something you do to me. You can Mm -hmm. do these other things with this woman and I can do these other things, but that's just for you and me. So, I mean, gay, straight, um, queer, whatever. I think that's a great idea to ahead of time say, these are things that are only going to, you know, be between me and you. And these are things that are okay for us to do with our third, right? Right. Yeah, because exactly. some things might be hurtful. And, mm-hmm. um, okay, I wanted to say something else. If you're a couple and if you are the one who has, like, initiated the idea of the threesome and you've sort of persuaded your partner to go along with it, you had better – and you had better do this in any circumstance. You had better make sure that you pay equal attention to both people. Yeah. I'm going to say that again. I don't care if this is a special guest star worthy of special attention because of the variety. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Why is this so loud? That was me. It was me texting you. You were texting (laughs) me. Okay. Gosh, Whitney. Um, So, okay. Even if the special guest star, of course, it's going to be super exciting. Um, because this person's new and variety, we love variety and novelty and adventure. Do do not hurt your other partner, your partner's feelings by lavishing this other person with all kinds of attention and ignoring your partner. Whether your partner yeah. is a man or a woman or intersex, nobody is going to like feeling ignored. And all of us have different thresholds for feeling ignored. So really be so mindful of your partner's feelings. And I want, can I say one other thing? Be mindful of your third's feelings. That's a human being. Right. They're not just there for your fun. This is a human being with feelings. Will you say more about that? Yeah. I mean, I think that's huge. It's because everyone is coming into this to have a good time, to bring pleasure, and it should all be like an equal playing field here. Like we're all in this together. Not one person is getting, you know, all the attention and one person is being neglected because that's just, that's sad, you know, And, and expect, I think also too, to touch on, expect some emotions to come up. If they do come up, um, either you can talk about them during or talk about them before some of the fears that you have when or insecurities or thoughts that may come up. Yeah. Just know that it's normal to have maybe some jealousy comes up a little bit or maybe some mm-hmm. insecurity in some way comes up a little bit. It's just it's a very intimate setting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really is. And you know what? Guess what? Some people might be able to just like have a couple drinks and just like there's such a 
they're a couple and their their risk tolerance is really similar and they're they're they have similarly high levels of compersion and they just can like feel it out and it just happens and the threesome just happens right but yeah. for for us mere mortals <laughs> we should have some conversations some rules some boundaries some guidelines right so that it's yeah. a fun thing and we're not regretting it angry um doing it if we don't want to do it or doing it but feeling restricted or not sure what is going to hurt our partner's feelings or not right right this keeps it smoother this keeps it like carefree you're not exactly. like you just kind of have a little bit of a roadmap to know where you're yeah, going what's going to come up a little planning goes a long way in a threesome right yeah get your carefree climaxes get your, yeah exactly i mean Ironically, with this threesome, I think planning and communication in advance are really important. And if people want to know more about the etiquette of threesomes, we will put action in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. And we do talk about threesomes too on our behind the closed door, um, behind closed doors with me and Wednesday. Oh, yeah, our we subscription. Do. So We're like obsessed with threesomes. I know. All of a sudden, we are. I haven't had a threesome about in a really long time. time. I haven't had threesome in a really long time, but wow, maybe you need to get back into it. You know, or, maybe or we I can do. just keep talking about it. Either way, we can you, we can extend it. It's like this big foreplay. You know, I'm yeah. withholding it. Oh, that's so clever! <laughs> Dragging like, it out. You're not giving me the threesome on our first date. No, uh, I'm not. Full circle. We just came full circle in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, um, this- you know, I just wanted to end saying that it is Pride Month. And it we, is. Yeah, we like our um, podcast to be evergreen. But before we go, just, you know, m- want to just wish everybody a happy Pride. Hell and yeah. Stand with our queer and gay and lesbian and bisexual brothers and sisters. And also just want to really honor the intersections. Uh, between Black Lives Matter and gay pride. We have seen such incredible power, the power that activism has. We have gay marriage because of protests, right? We, you know, we have the destigmatization of um of same-sex relationships because people got out on the streets and yelled and screamed and protested. And, you know, People do not have to comport to our ideas of politeness. Protest is not polite. So just, I so, I know you do too, Whitney. I so uh, stand um, in awe and admiration of the Black Lives Matter and uh, pride activists who have made this month so incredibly special and the intersectional agenda that, Um, I think is going to result in more really positive social change. So happy pride, everyone. Yes, happy pride. And keep on with Black Lives Matter. Absolutely. We're going to keep on. That's right. That's what we're doing. Real systemic change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're going to get there. It's coming. It's coming. Change is coming. And we are like cheering it on. Hell yes. Uh, Love you so much. Love you guys and love you, Whitney. Yeah. Talk to you next time. All right.
Hey, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, it would help us a lot if you would leave a review. Yeah, leave a review, subscribe. We want to know how you guys felt about the episode. It really helps us out a lot to continue the success of the podcast and keep spreading our message.